Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. You can find me online and on social media. Just Google my name, Jennifer Slattery. I would love to connect with you. And today I have a special guest, a friend, and a gifted teacher and speaker. She's joining us, Debbie Wilson. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Jennifer. Good to see you. So Debbie is an author. She's a Bible teacher, and she's the co-founder of Lighthouse Ministries. That's a nonprofit ministry that offers counseling, life, and relationship coaching and Bible study. You can visit her online at debbiewwilson.com, and there you'll find faith-building resources and information on all of her books, including her latest release, Little Women, Big God, and make sure to watch out for her next release. It's coming in February, and that's Little Faith, Big God. Today, she's joining us to talk about something that, if, if left unchecked, it can drastically hinder our calling and our effectiveness, I believe, often more than any external setback or challenge we'll face, and that is fear of failure. And and like with all of our fears, there are often so many lies and other fears that piggyback onto this one. But from my perspective, they can all be summed up in this, a fatal shift of focus when, like Debbie's books talk about, when we make a lot of ourselves and little of God. And scripture tells us life is found when we do the opposite, when we die to ourselves, to our rights, our agendas, our plans, our expectations, and for sure our pride, and elevate God to his rightful place in our lives. So fear of failure can be a huge hindrance, but but if we can really press into God, he can help us move past this Debbie, I know you have in in the past you have struggled with this, especially in relation to your speaking career. Correct? That's correct, Jennifer. I have ne- never been one who wanted to have the stage or grab the mic. You hear so many speakers talk about how that was their dream when they were young to hold the mic and be in front. And that was not my dream. In fact, I like being hidden and behind the scenes. And so when God called me into ministry and the what they began to put me up front to first to share my story of how I came to know God and then to teach. Well, I love teaching and I love helping people know about God, but I just didn't like to be the one that was up front. And I remember early uh, in my in my speaking, I was asked to speak to a group of youth and youth workers. And when I know that I'm going to be talking about something that's tender to me, I get more nervous because I didn't want to show emotion to this room full of teenagers and youth workers. And so that makes me more nervous because I know my story's coming up and I'm afraid I'm going to get emotional. And I saw the way that God had wired me as being 
a weakness that disqualified me from speaking. Can you explain I, that a little bit? What do you mean? The speakers that I admired, they didn't get up and cry when they told stories. And so I was like, I know that I'm going to choke up when I get to this story. And so they're going to be thinking about me instead of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And so after this time, Jennifer, I, I left and I felt like I had just not done a good job. What and, did you feel in specific that you had failed in? Like what, what happened? Well, I did my talk, but I felt like I was very nervous. And in fact, a, a student said, told me you did a good job. She said it in a very loud voice at, at um, lunch. And she said, I feel like I need to tell you that because I could tell you were nervous. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for flashing that <laughs> through the whole room. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, I was. It was the first time I had done anything like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, it, it, was, it was a different setting. It was very different for me. And, and so I got in the car and I said, okay, God, that's it. I'm never doing that again. We, we, we've eliminated that. And, and so um, I sensed the Lord kind of interrupt my whining and say, uh, have you ever asked me to change you? Did you, do you think I can change you? And I said, well, of course you can. And I've asked you many times. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I sensed in my spirit, did you ever think I wanted you like that? Mm-hmm. That was not the answer I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very still and saying, oh, Lord, why would you want me like this? How can people pay attention to what I say when, when I'm this emotional wreck? And, and it was like he brought to mind that passage uh, in Scripture where Paul describes us as earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. And, and the value that we have is that Jesus lives in us. And I pictured myself as a cracked pot. Mm-hmm. and as and the light and the glory of God shines through our cracks. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, Lord, if it's my cracks that allow your glory to shine through, mm-hmm. then I will accept my cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just pray that when I leave, people will remember your glory and not my cracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that was such a helpful thing for me because it took the focus off of my, how I looked at myself to say, God, if you made me this way to show your glory, Mm -hmm. then who am I? Who Mm -hmm. is the clay to say to the potter? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't still wish I, that God changed that, but that is who I am. And so now I feel freer Mm -hmm. to just be who I am. And that helps me not be so nervous because, okay, I am going to be emotional, but that's how God made me. And I can hear a couple of of lies that were tied into that original fear. And one of them is that God cannot use us because of our imperfections. Like I'm mean, that's what I heard a little bit of of what you were saying when we know God is all powerful. Yes. And he yes. knew calling you to speak, he knew exactly who you were and how you would do. It didn't surprise him. Right. Right. 
And I think there's another lie we can sometimes grab hold of that we have to master everything immediately. Oh, goodness, Jennifer, you're really stepping on my toes here. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, that is so true. Both of those are true. But I have found that often I don't want to get out into the arena until I feel like mm-hmm. I have it down perfectly, but that's never, ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's what you opened with. If my focus is on me, mm-hmm. then I am blocking my vision of who God is. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, that we had a solar eclipse here uh, like a year ago. And for a short span, the moon, which is so much smaller than the sun, blocked the sun mm-hmm. because it's closer. Mm-hmm. So when I focus on myself, mm-hmm. I can block my vision of God. And God is billions of times bigger than me. But if I'm focusing in on my weakness, I can't see God. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to get over yourself. But mm-hmm. uh I love how you opened. It has to be, the focus has to be on him. And then we are free. We are free to let his life flow through us. And there's great joy. Mm -hmm. Speaking of nervous speakers who maybe became obsessed with, with himself. I, you know, when I'm here, your story, I'm thinking of Moses From Exodus chapter two and chapter three, primarily when we first see his call to give our listeners a little bit of a background. So he was a, he was a Hebrew that was raised in the Egyptian palace and he later became God's liberator to God's people. Mm -hmm. And his story is interesting because I see in him and his initial discussion with God, I see a lot of the conversation I envision going on in your head when yes. God was <laughs> calling you. And yes. so does he, do you relate to this biblical character at all? Absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, Moses is a man who was trained and it says in Acts, he was powerful in speech, but he failed in his first effort to be a leader and to, to rescue Israel. He did tried to do it in his own power. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we rely on our education and our training and our experience Mm -hmm. that we are relying on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so he failed when he had all this equipment, Mm -hmm. we could say. And so 40 years later, he's been watching sheep. He's been out in the wilderness and God comes to him and says, I've chosen you Mm -hmm. to be the deliverer. And I think that um, I, his conversation is, you know, he focuses on himself. I can't speak. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I. Let's go back a little to kind of unpack that story okay. for those who are not familiar. So when you say he went in his own strength. So to give a little backdrop to our listeners, he was, I believe he was living in the Egyptian palace at this time, correct? That's correct. He had been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Mm -hmm. And he was out walking around. The Egyptian or the Hebrews were experiencing incredible oppression. They were enslaved to Egypt. And he was seeing just the treatment uh, that his fellow Hebrews were experiencing. And then 
he also he saw he saw his people fighting basically and and he was like what are you doing well he the first day he saw an egyptian beating an israelite and he killed the egyptian and then the next day like you said he saw the two Mm -hmm. Uh, Israelites fighting the Hebrews. And Mm -hmm. so he stepped in and they said, are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian. (laughs) It was like, yikes. He thought that they would recognize he was on their side and that he was there to help them, but they were not impressed. Right. And so that's what, when, when Debbie was talking about, he did this in his own strength, his desire, what could have even been God sparked. Yes. But it wasn't at that point God assigned or God empowered. And when she talked about, you know, relying on our strength and our wisdom, there's nothing wrong with educating ourselves, obviously. No, we are to equip ourselves. But if I won't go forward until, like you said, I have got it all down, mm-hmm. then I'm relying on myself. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that was so neat when I read the scriptures, uh, there's a couple of things going off on this where the disciples, when they had to stand before the, the Jewish leaders in Acts, and they said they recognized them as being uneducated men, but they saw that they had been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's our biggest qualification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so now you said he was a shepherd in the desert. Yes. Probably in his mind. I mean, he had to be thinking like, this is the rest of my life. I'm just going to be tending sheep outside of in a foreign land, basically away from my people. And then God showed up. Yeah. I, I failed. God put me on the shelf. He sent me out to the desert. I'm in timeout. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which let's camp out on that because there's another lie that we can believe is that our fail, our past failures disqualify us from future service. And that completely negates grace. And you know, that story I shared where I felt like such a failure, I've shared that with other young speakers and that encourages them so much. So it was my, my time of weakness and feeling like a failure and wanting to quit that is infused strength in other women Mm -hmm. to go and speak. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, you know, when we hear, when we read Moses's story, he said, you know, I'm not a great, he has this conversation with God. God's like, I want you to free my people. I want you to go speak to the Pharaoh. I mean, basically the most powerful ruler in the ancient world at that time, wasn't he? Yes. And, and Moses's response was, who am I? I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I don't have the right words. And, and what was God's response to each one of those, Debbie? Well, he ends up pointing to himself mm-hmm. and and when Moses wants to know who sent me he he gives his name i am mm-hmm. i am he is the great i am and so Moses had been focusing in on the wrong person mm-hmm. he had been focusing on who am i instead of the great i am right yeah that's beautiful and I love this quote. It's from Jenny Allen's Nothing to Prove. That's a great book, by the way. And I think especially relevant to fear of failure, because so often when we're afraid of failing, it's because we feel like we have to prove our intelligence. 
or maybe our eloquence or, or whatever it is. And here's her quote. We limit the work of God through us because we think it is all about us, our abilities, our resources. Just like we talked about in the beginning, we make much of ourselves <laughs> and little of God. And scripture tells us we find power in the opposite way by dying to ourselves. And I love one of my biblical heroes is Paul. I'm just, just all the scriptures that he wrote and all of the churches he planted, all that he endured. And he is such a great example of living completely surrendered and empowered by Christ. And I love in Philippians 1, 21, while under house arrest, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, I exist for Christ. And I think that mentality kills a thousand fears in a single breath. Yes. You know, one of the places he spoke is in Galatians chapter 1:10 and this goes in when if you're living for Christ he says am i now trying to win the approval of human beings or of god mm-hmm. or am i trying to please people mm-hmm. if i were still trying to please people i would not be a servant of christ amen and that fear of disappointing people mm-hmm. is another fear that we feel responsible for something that we are not supposed to be even trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're, I love Paul too. And he has spoken to me many times. Mm-hmm. And I would contend that disobedience is our only failure. Mm-hmm. And, and even in that, we always have, like we saw with Moses, we always have the opportunity to begin again. And so basically the only way we can possibly fail is if we disobey. But the moment we take that for if we disobey the moment we take that first step of obedience however we can we can call it a win and we can celebrate it regardless of how things turn out and i think too we have to pause sometimes i think our past failures like you reference your example can hinder our future obedience and can also create this fear but i think we have to sometimes just take time to evaluate Was it a failure? If it was, why was it? Were we operating in our own strength, in our own will? Maybe God wasn't even assigning us. Or was God trying to grow something in us? And I think just by adopting a growth mindset rather than a perfectionist mindset will already be so much stronger. And And were we, like we said, relying on in our own strength? Were we needing to learn something from God? And I think, do you think sometimes too, there's other fears caught up in this, like fear of rejection, fear of, of shame? Yes. Yes. And I like what you said about a growth mindset. Uh, My book, Little Faith, Big God is about some of the people in Hebrews 11 and they are commended for their faith. But when you go and look at their backstories, mm-hmm. they fell down a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of three steps forward and two back. And yet God holds them up as examples. Mm-hmm. And so God could have instantly made us spiritually mature and perfect. Mm-hmm. He will do that when we're glorified at the, when Jesus returns and we see him, then we will be like him. Mm-hmm. But right now, Growth is part of God's design, 
And, you know, when my children were learning to walk, after they fell umpteen times, I didn't say, okay, well, you were never (laughs) meant to walk. No, you cheer them every time they get up. And and that's what God does for us too. He says, you're, you are up walking in faith. And yes, you fall down a few times, but you keep getting up. And that's a sign of a righteous person, Proverbs says. It's not how many times you fall, but do you get up again? Mm. And in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. For those who come to him must not only believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So I like what you said. If Abraham fell many times, but God didn't rub his nose in his mistakes. He pointed to what was next. Mm-hmm. And so did these other um, men and women, but they kept getting up and walking with God. And and that is success, is mm-hmm. to get up and keep moving. Mm-hmm. And and two things I wanted to say for that. Just, again, for those, because we know we have listeners across the world. And so for those unfamiliar with Abraham's story, he was actually the patriarch, the father of the Jewish nation. And God had called him out of a pagan land to himself and and in order to reveal himself to all of mankind. But he did not act like a man of faith very often, actually. <laughs> and yet he is commended as, as a man of faith. And I asked my, my Bible college professor, I'm like, how can scripture call him a man of faith when I see nothing, you know, I see so much that in his behavior that show, seems contrary to that. And he said, well, how can we be called people of faith when we mess up so often? It goes back to what you're saying, Debbie. It's because our faith is in Christ. And, and not ourselves, and we're relying on him. And when I was hearing you talk about your story between your children, like when they're learning to walk, and it really struck me that we don't begin with the fear of failure. Right. That's really good. And I, it develops over time really from faulty thinking and from misinterpreting our experiences. And Either like we like we already talked about, we assume failure when it wasn't any, when God's trying to grow us, he might have something else in mind completely, that it will seem like a complete success. And I, I think of of the prophet Jeremiah mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, and he had one of the most, I, I have to believe, one of the most difficult ministries a human being probably right. would ever have. Right. And he lived in a time where God's people were in rebellion. They were in idolatry. They were worshiping a lot of false gods. And they were doing some really evil, violent things. And God called Jeremiah to basically call them out on their sin and to point them back to God. And yet they they didn't listen. That is hard to be told ahead of time. Mm-hmm. No, but you've got to go out there and talk to these people and they're not going to listen right. to you. Right. So um, if he was measuring his success by what he could see, then he would have been discouraged. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of Bible characters like that, Jennifer. Uh, I was impressed with that as I also, as I looked at Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness and for 120 years, he warned his neighbors about the coming destruction. Um, his story is in Genesis where the flood comes 
And when it came time to board the ark, not one neighbor joined him. Well, he could have felt like 120 years of preaching and I don't have one neighbor who, who believed mm-hmm. a real failure. But because of his obedience, he saved his family. He saved the human race. He saved the animal kingdom. And here we are today. And he's commended for his faith too. So you're, you're exactly right. Jeremiah, his is just unbelievable uh, to be told that. But I think all of these people, they had tough, tough ministries. And if we measure our success based on what we can see, Mm-hmm. then we won't see because mm-hmm. as Paul wrote, the things that are eternal are invisible. Mm-hmm. And so we can't measure by the response that we get right in front of us. We have to trust that if we have pleased God, he's cheering for us. Right. Or even other people's responses, because we we cannot change someone's heart. No. Or convince them, you might, some people might be confused if you look on Facebook, you know, I think sometimes we think we can convince people <laughs> of a certain ideology or point of view, but, but we really can't. All we can do is daily, the best that we can say, Lord, today I am going to follow, follow you. And I'm thinking of back to Paul and in First Thessalonians, there's a verse that I I love, and this is in the NLT, it's 1 Thessalonians 2, one. he says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. I'm sorry, that was the NIV, and then was not without results. And then the NLT puts it was not a failure. And he and his team had suffered a lot. They suffered shame and persecution. And he had basically gone, so Paul was an early church planter. He grew up in the Jewish faith, and he was well-educated. He was a Pharisee, well-educated Pharisee. He had a lot of prestige and respect, and then he converts to Christianity, and suddenly he's expelled from his faith community, and people don't admire him so much, and he's slandered and attacked, and yet he says, this this is not a failure. But with the help of our God, he goes on to say, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of of strong opposition. I love that as, as a sign of obedience, you know, our culture defines success based on results, but like we've already talked about Mm -hmm. scripture defines it. God defines it by obedience. And I think too, we have to recognize that our call comes from him. Our power comes from Um. him. And our identity comes from him as well. And so I, I want to close with just reiterating that disobedience is our only failure. When you say that, Jennifer, I think of so often the scripture talks about the obedience of faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's not gutting it out. It's trusting that when God says to do something, he's big enough to accomplish it. Right. And, and so that obedience is a response to faith. So just to recap briefly, obedience is success every time. We won't obey perfectly, but God will grow us through it and he will be strong on our behalf. And so I thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope that it encouraged you. I hope it gave you some things to think about. Make sure to 
check out Debbie's two books. And so the one that's out now, Little Women, she has more books, but particularly that can help you in relation to today's episode. Little Women, Big God, which is out already. And then her next release coming in February, Little Faith, Big God. And remember, you can find her at debbiewwilson.com. Again, thank you for listening. I would be greatly encouraged if you would rate today's episode, if you would share it, make sure to subscribe. You can find the the show notes for today's episode. Go to crosswalk.com backslash podcast and there we'll recap what we talked about you'll also find some discussion questions you can gather some people around you you can work through them yourself or you can gather your group and again just go in faith go in god's power go in peace debbie thank you so much for joining us today thank you jennifer i really enjoyed talking with you Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.